0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy.
2: And thank you again for joining me today. I deeply appreciate all of you who have sent me messages of support and encouragement. And just to know that I'm encouraging you is uh, just the most important thing to me. And I deeply appreciate it. So before we get started today talking about externals and internals, I want to just remind you how you can reach me, send a message to me, and I would encourage you to do so. Uh, Don't ever consider any of your thoughts to be less than. They're all important. So please let me know what you're thinking. On my website, www.thedivineiswithinus.com. On Facebook, the same five words, the divine is within us. And email, us at gmail.com. Thank you again. So for today's show, we're going to be talking about perhaps the greatest uh, adventure and sometimes the greatest difficulty for the human being, and that is... How do we move from a focus on externals and things that are all around us to the internals and the things that are vastly important? Religion has made a very serious mistake. In fact, I say the greatest curse, and yes, you heard that right, the greatest curse of religion is its focus on externals. If religion can keep the human being from going inside and finding what's real, if the religion can keep people separated from what is within within themselves, then they are successful. Why? Because then they control, and that is their goal. But so first of all, religion has created an external god, a god. And in fact, I don't even like that word. It's such it's such a harsh word. God. It's hard. And that's why I prefer to use the divine. You can use source or spirit or life or the universe or whatever word is best fits with your own understanding. But the church created this God, this God up in the sky somewhere, and that God just happens to be angry and it happens to be male and it happens to be just sitting by waiting for you to make mistakes so that it can punish people in fire. Well, I got news for all the churches, (laughs) that God does not exist. That God was fabricated, that God was made up, that God is not the one that Jesus, Yeshua, talked about. Yeshua spoke of something much more beautiful, much more powerful. In fact, there is no anger in the divine whatsoever. There's no way that the real source of our life is angry with any one of us for anything. That is all fabricated and made up. because if you believe in an angry God that's just waiting around each corner and waiting in your next thought to punish you, then you are going to be under control of the voices who have convinced you that that is true. <clears throat> so the church went further. It not only created this angry God, but it created a Bible. Oh, my goodness. How did they get that? You know, you see these Bibles laying all around. I grew up with them in the, you know, the home and, and the churches everywhere. These black books usually, and stamped on them are gold letters saying the Holy Bible. Nonsense, it is not holy in any way, shape, or form. They, the church calls it God's word. Well, I got news for them again. They know better. God, they're even their angry male God, didn't say those things. Whatever is included in the Bible is only the words of men, angry men, insecure men, men that want to control. So they had all these manuscripts way back when. In fact, it was the third, uh, 325 of this current common era and early in the 4th century that the Council of Nicaea in Rome uh, and called together by Constantine, the young Roman emperor at the time, and they called this council together. And part of what that council decided was what is God's word and what isn't. So they had all these manuscripts. They had gospels, hundreds of them. They had letters and and things written by people that were mostly written for their own followers and, and, uh, and the like. But they had piles of them. The gospels of this and the gospel of that. Letters from this saint or that one or whatever. And so they decided, of all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of documents, texts, they decided which ones were to be the most important. And so they picked this one and put it in one pile. They didn't like the next one, so they threw it in another pile. They didn't like the next one or two, they threw those away. Ah, then they found another one that they really liked. And so on and on the process went. <clears throat> and at the end of, this, of the time, the Roman church, which was being formed at that time at that council, decided that there's only 27 of those pieces of literature that should be included in what they called their New Testament. They decided that those were from God. And so they put them all together, bound them up together, printed them, put them in fancy, on fancy paper and gold edges and et cetera, et cetera, eventually at least. And they called it God's Word. What did they do with the other pile that they didn't like? They burned them. They burned them so that no one would ever know or so they thought, so no one would ever know what they threw away. They didn't want people seeing anything that they disagreed with. The pile that agreed with their theology and their preconceived ideas became God's word. (laughs) The other pile, as I said, they burned. But you know what, in 1945, Three years before the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, they found in the Nag Hammadi region of Egypt a whole cache of of texts and old manuscripts. The very ones that the church burned are now available to us. They are in English, and you can find them at your local bookstore. It's called the Nag Hammadi Library, N-A-G-H-A-M-M-A-D-I Library. I've read it. I've studied it. And anyway, we'll talk much more about that in shows to come. So, externals. The external God, the external written authority that they labeled God's Word, which has nothing to do with the real divine that is within us. And then, oh, more externals. Gee, male voices. Male voices all over the place. That Council of Nicaea had no women present. The Roman Catholic Church has had no women in roles of leadership and authority ever. Men do not want women to be speaking or to have any authority. The misogyny of the church today is one of the most incredible, wounding lies that has ever come about. But the male voices, that false external authority, and the reason they were all men way back then is because In Rome, that's the way it was done. The Roman Empire was nothing but men. No one was ever allowed any kind of power or authority. Women were used and abused. Women had no place except be the complete servants to the men, and I say that is a lie. It's the (laughs) the worst energy that has ever come upon the human race. Is this patriarchal age where men dominate and women are relegated to a second place status or less. Women, you are equal to men in every way. I wholly uh, support and wholeheartedly support the role of women, their function, their energies. Women must be equal to men in every way. You are and you know you are. And I'm one of the few men that strongly support the feminine. And I say, come on, take your rightful place in this world. Take your rightful place in leadership in teaching and sharing. We need the feminine voice if we're going to heal this planet. But let me hurry on. Other things externals that the church loved were the beliefs. All their beliefs that were based on just those texts that they chose. Then they built buildings. Oh my goodness, they became an organized structure, again, externals. And today, nothing is more heinous on the landscape than megachurches that leave the divine aside and they push Jesus aside. Yeshua is no longer part of their thinking and all they do is have men's voices for the most part. Not, not always, but mostly. And there they are, money, money, money. That's another external that's a result of focusing on what's not inside. Groupthink, conformity to doctrine, conformity to to beliefs. And then there's that external heaven. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Someday, pie in the sky, by and by. If you behave yourself and please that angry God, oh, my, there's heaven waiting. Streets of gold and all that stuff that my mom used to dream about. And I say, wait a minute. Who wants to walk on streets of gold? Just give me some grass, please. (laughs) But it was all fabricated. Heaven is not real, as the Bible shows. It's much more beautiful than that, and we'll get into that in some weeks to come. Then salvation was external, too, all based on dogma, all based on guilt and shame. If they can make you feel bad and feel ashamed, then they control you. So all of these external things were created by religion and by Christianity especially, because they wanted to make sure they were in charge. And they have been, except today. It's breaking up, it's falling apart, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later too. I like the words of Gary Spence. I don't know who he is, but the statement he made, and I quote, I would rather have my mind opened by wonder than to be closed by beliefs, end quote. I like that statement. When we allow our hearts to open, when we allow the mysteries to be considered, when we allow the wonder, wondering as we wonder is how I like to say it. I wonder, is this true or is that true? As I wander through life. We don't have to have answers that we are absolutely certain of. We don't need that. We just need to wonder and to walk beautifully, sharing life together and focusing on what's inside. Faith today, is totally based on the externals of religion, wherein the mind is closed to science, the vast realities of the universe, and to the needs of our fellow human beings. Faith today is nothing but blindness to reality. When I first saw the images of the Hubble telescope, oh my goodness, I have a very large book on my coffee table in my living room that talks about all these star clusters and these Amazing formations in the in the universe that are millions and millions and millions of light years away. I say, how in the world can I fathom that? How can I understand that? But the beauty in those externals, and there is a beauty, the beauty in any external is if it takes us to the internal. And so as I view the vast wonders of the universe, I know I didn't create it. I know someone had to. I know the church didn't do it. And that external wonder takes me deep inside to saying, What is this divine within me? It's right. right, Now it's time for a break. I'll catch up with you in a couple minutes.
0: This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network.
1: Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the Church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus was not a Christian. Available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice
0: America Seventh Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change.
1: You are listening to Beyond Religion Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com. Again, that's The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com.
2: Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. All oh, those wonderful externals and those wonderful internals. And yes, we do need both. But today's show and next week's show is going to be all about seeing the difference between them and seeing how they fit into our lives, but also choosing what's most important, choosing what's vastly eternal, not just the temporary things around us. The most miserable failure, I believe, of Christianity is seen today in its mega churches even as the church is dying. And it's a temptation of men, if something's going wrong, build something bigger. Make it look like it isn't dying when it really is. But people are leaving the church today in droves. You go to the average church, you'll hardly find anyone or very few at all under 30 in most churches. The millennials are, have leaving. They, have, they know better. And I've talked to many of them. It has been... That, true that the church has abandoned Yeshua. They abandoned Jesus and his teachings in favor of its external beliefs, the structures, and the dogma. Yeshua's teaching was totally about internals, the kingdom of heaven within, as you've heard me say so often. And there's something really beautiful that I've never shared before with you in, in the word within. The Aramaic reveals that the word within means much more than just inside you. When it says the kingdom of heaven is within you, it also means among you. And what does that mean? What Yeshua said was when you understand that the kingdom of heaven, the divine itself, is within you, you have also to realize that it is within that person standing next to you, the person across the room, the people all around you, every human being that you see, yes, the kingdom of heaven is within them too. And when it's within me and all others around me, that's what it means when it says it is among you. The divine is among us. It is within us. We only need to recognize this and know how to experience it. And I'll have a show coming up soon on how to experience it the divine within. And no, it's not that that uh, supernatural divine who up in the sky, blah, 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 that powerful creator of the universe that is untouchable. No, not at all. I promise you some very beautiful ways of understanding how you can recognize your own divinity. It is shared by all. Our challenge as humans is to see beyond this physical world dimension and to awaken to what is most important, to awaken to what is lasting, that which is beyond the temporary sens- sensory pleasures, to awaken to what empowers us rather than what diminishes us, to awaken to what is transforming, not what imprisons us in the chains of dogma, to awaken to what is internal, not the empty dreams of a passing world, to imp, em- to, I'm sorry, to Focus on and awaken to what is soul satisfying, deep within, the water that is within, as Yeshua said, not the dry wells of external possessions and activities and the things of the temporary world. What is this well within? There's a beautiful story in that one of the Gospels, where Yeshua is talking to this woman at the well, is the way it's usually called, and. He came up to her and talked to her because she was at a well, Jacob's well, as they called it, drawing some water. And with his amazing ability to see and understand, he spoke to her of who she was and what she was looking for. And he said to her about this ordinary external water, the literal water, said, you know, you drink of the water from this well and you will thirst again. That's why you keep coming back and coming back for more and more water. And yes, that's true because water quenches our thirst only temporarily. Then he talked symbolically about another kind of water. He said, there's a different kind. There's a a water that you will understand when you understand my teachings. He said, a water that's not temporary, but eternal. That water was the truths that he taught about the kingdom of heaven within. And he said to her, If you drink of the water that I speak of, that kingdom within, it will be like a well of living water springing up, where? From within you. Oh my, (laughs) there it is. The eternal life springing up from within you, not in the dogma of religion, but inside of yourself. And you will take, uh, that water, that understanding will take you to an eternal perspective that is far beyond this temporary existence. My friends, that water is within you. That water is the divine within, the loving and empowering energy that, wants to teach us and help us celebrate our mistakes, as we talked about a few weeks ago, to dance in the delights of our imperfections, as we talked about as well, to understand the human shadow and celebrate the shadow, to see the gifts in it, and not be stuck in darkness and sin, but to celebrate the beauty of our shadow. Yes, the divine the source of all life everywhere, as the Aramaic Lord's Prayer says, and I'll share that with you too in a few weeks. But the, the essence of the creator of all life everywhere is you, and it's me, it's us together. When we are no longer able to change or manipulate the frustrating externals of life, it's time to go inside, to awaken to the divine within to transform that human shadow that we talked about the last two weeks, to move away from external gods, all those things that, you know, take the place of, of reality. You know, the maybe the car we drive or the house we live in or the, the lake or the this or the that. Uh, oh, my goodness, there are so many things that can distract us. Good things, necessary things, but they distract us. Time now for another break. I'll catch up with you in just a few minutes.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
1: Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today.
0: Be Visionary This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel.
1: You are listening to Beyond Religion Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com. Again, that's The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com. Now, back to the
2: program. Here again is Jim Stacy. Okay, we're talking about lots of externals and the things that distract us from what is really real. There's a few more things I want to say about that before we go on to looking at more of the internals. And as usual, there's far more that I have to share than we're going to get into one show. But that's why next week's show is going to be about laying hold of the internals, letting go of attachments and walking in the beauty of claiming what's inside. So anyway, we'll get as far as we can today and we'll take it up again next week. Just remember, in religion, as I've been sharing, the church built everything on an external Bible. The external book that they created and then they chose to label it as something that it was not. It is not the truth. The truth is inside of you. And that's what Yeshua taught. That's what the divine is within is all about. To claim that the Bible is God's Word and then to adhere to the fabricated theology that comes out of it is to hold God responsible for all the actions that have come out of church history. And that's a sad history. The inquisitions, the the torment, the slavery, the, the slaughter of millions of people. It's like a toddler blaming its mother for the dirty diapers that it experiences. We can't blame the divine for human actions. Jesus, Yeshua, had much to say about the human nature and the spiritual blindness that comes out of it. He revealed how people come to understand what God is like or the divine is like comes from the definitions of what they have chosen to value themselves. If someone's greatest need is a savior, then the divine becomes a savior. Someone has to be pleased. If someone needs spiritual connection and awareness, then the divine is seen much differently. What a person believes about the divine will always shape their behavior for good or for ill. Those that believe, and we see it today in so many places, not around the world only, but in our own country, the racism, the misogyny, and the homophobia that's all around, When people believe in an angry, nasty, judgmental God, they become angry and nasty and judgmental. All we need to do is look around and see what's happening today in the police state and in the churches and the condemnation, the judgments and all the shame that keeps coming from religion. Jesus held some views that were revolutionary and quite strange according to the religious minds of his day. I have a quote here from Deepak Chopra, and he says, I quote, he's speaking about the, the words of, of Jesus. His words were the product of his state of mind. We must be very clear on that point because God consciousness cannot be reduced to psychology. It's like feeling, it's not like feeling young or knowing that your spouse loves you. If I sense the presence of the divine, then in some way I have entered into the divine's identity and taking it as my own. Were it not for this quality of union, Jesus' message would not be radical. He would be just one among many who love the divine and feel close to him. End of quote. An awareness and a consciousness of the divine presence is here for us right now. Not in some mythical, mystical future. We do not exist in or nor are we trapped in the human experience from which the only escape is some kind of heaven in the future or death. We are much more beautiful than that. Physical death is not the way out of here. So one can finally be with their God in some theological heaven. Now, today is the time for personal transformation. Today is the time to understand that we must awaken Awaken to the realities of what is within. Awakening to the realities of all those things that last forever, not just spending all of our time running around trying to get things done in a physical world of things that are passing away. There is a way out of this mess that we're in, but don't label it as that. Don't look for the escape. Yeshua's message was not that death is a way out, No one has to wait for heaven. Heaven can wait. Yeshua's message was that we can know divine connection right now if we only concentrate on practicing and doing the inner work right now. We do this by going beyond beliefs to spiritual practices. The divine is not in the future. Heaven is not in the future. Bliss and eternal connection with the divine is not a future event. We can know, my friends, we can know today the beauty, the internal bliss, the internal, uh, how, do I, I don't know, how do I describe it? The absolute delight of knowing that I'm connecting with divine energy inside, peace and delight and an absolute, well, what do I call it? Just bliss, I guess, is the best word, but we can know it. Believe me, I have found this, and I'm learning more about it every day. We can know far more beauty of that sweet connection with divine energy. Deep inside, there is real presence to be known now. If only I will awaken to higher consciousness. Beliefs take people to the place of fragile rigidity, as I call it, in which any new truth is a threat to them rather than a helpful insight. New truth is feared rather than welcomed as a doorway to higher awareness and deeper connection with the divine. Like that dirty diaper, man-made beliefs must be cleaned out of their minds to make way for the kingdom within. No one can enter that kingdom with all the baggage of the old beliefs, for those beliefs are attachments. Those beliefs are the unwanted, unnecessary baggage that keeps us from getting into what we're looking for, to knowing divine presence. I am responsible for all the things that I carry around. I'm responsible for the attachments or the addictions that I have had or do have. And we'll be talking about that more next week than today. But remember that the source of the idea that beliefs are the most important issue comes from religion. Beliefs replaced spiritual practice, and that is what it's all about. Spiritual practice. Knowing who we are. Knowing the difference between internals and externals. Knowing the difference between dogma and divine connection. Yeshua didn't say that the kingdom of heaven is in your mind. Thinking theologically is the greatest trap ever laid. Yet, as we've seen, it was Constantine at the Council of Nicaea and the patriarchs that gathered there. It was all about beliefs. It was all about externals. There is no theology beyond the grave. Let me say that again. Beyond the grave, there is no such thing as theology, just presence. Presence with the divine. Presence with the one who is the source of our life. We can know that presence now. We can know divine connection now. We don't wait for it, but we can know it and experience it. In the Gospel of Thomas, uh, that's one of those Gospels that the church threw out and said, no, that can't be God's word. Even though that Gospel talked about Yeshua and many of the things that Jesus taught, but the church didn't like some of the things that Yeshua said, at least according to Thomas, and so they threw it out. But a quote from the Gospel of Thomas. Thus, here again, Jesus encourages, oh, I'm sorry, I got my notes mixed up here. This is a quote from Elaine Peggles from her book, Beyond Belief. But it's about the Gospel of Thomas and some of the truths there. She says, quote, Thus, here again, Jesus encourages those who seek by telling them that they already have the internal resources they need to find what they're looking for. Jesus said, "If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will harm you." End of quote. And I've quoted that many times, and I want to share that again, and just with some other words. What Yeshua said, after the kingdom of heaven is within, the church left out these last few words. He said, bring forth what is within you. And by doing that, that will save you from all the negativity and all the temporary things of this world. He wasn't talking about salvation from punishment. He wasn't talking about salvation from uh, being burned. Not at all. He said, bring forth what is within you and that will save you. It'll save you from unconsciousness, is what he was saying. But if we don't bring forth this kingdom of heaven that is within us, then that will harm us. In the Aramaic, it sounds more like if you give birth to what is within you, the birthing of that kingdom within will save you. But if you do not transform your inner darkness, you know the shadow we talked about the last couple of weeks, then that will harm us and that will keep us from any possible connection with the divine. I must, according to Yeshua, enter this kingdom that is within me. And that is the question I've asked so many people in the religious circles. How do you enter what is already within you? That's what Yeshua taught. The kingdom of heaven is within. Now enter that. He said the rich are going to have an extremely hard time entering he said, it's like the, the camel going through the eye of a needle. Well, that eye of that needle was not a literal needle that you sew with. The eye of the needle was the entrance into the temple complex back in Jerusalem. The eye of the needle was a small entrance. It was a place where the camels had to get down on their knees, and all the baggage had to be taken off. All the, the load that was packed onto them had to be removed before they could slide gently through this very small opening. And Jesus used that. Yeshua used that as an example, as a metaphor for entering the kingdom that is within. If your life, he said, is filled with the attachments to the external world, if your life is filled with your addictions to what you hold in your hands or what you can see with your eyes, those attachments will keep you from entering. If you're attached, as he said, as the rich man, if you're attached to your money, that can keep you from entering. Not that we need to not have any money, but no, we need to not be attached to it. And I'll be talking about that more next week. To be attached to something makes it a priority. We can have money. We can have things. We can enjoy them. But the key is that nothing must own us. Nothing must own us and take up all of our focus and attention. So, he said, unless you become as little children, you cannot enter this kingdom that is within. There is no picture, no metaphor more beautiful about laying aside and not holding on to attachments than the image of little children playing together. We must lay them aside if we are to enter. To enter this kingdom within, to focus on internals instead of externals is the key. So I must do the work that's required to enter and become like those energies within. I cannot allow past anger and resentment and issues that I've dealt with to replace compassion and empathy. I experienced that for so many years. I lived with that and I had to replace all the old anger, the wounds, all that had hurt me The things that I carried for so long, I had to replace them. And it wasn't until I was learning the Aramaic language that I finally learned how to heal all the old pain. I talked about that in the very first show when I uh, told you about who I am and where I've come from. But we all have this transformational work to do. We all have the internals to focus on. We all have the externals to look at and to let go. I think it was the wisdom of the the Gnostics, if you've ever heard of them or not, but they are the ones that were the earliest followers of Yeshua. And the word Gnostic or Gnosis is a word that means it's G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S or Gnostic. And the G is silent, but they focused on what they called Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And that was a knowing, a deep internal knowing. For them, beliefs were not important. They had to know. They wanted to know for sure. Who is the divine? Who who they are? What is it mean to be human? What does it mean to know divine connection? And the Gnostics were those who went far beyond theology. It was not at all in their focus. And be, it was because of The beliefs of of their day that was already starting to form, that they saw a different way. Beliefs can twist the soul, but deep inner knowing does not twist at all. Knowing who we are, knowing our divine connection, there is nothing more powerful. There is nothing more settling, nothing more peaceful The Gnostics didn't start out by forming a religion called the First Church of the Gnostics. (laughs) No, they were, however, as I said, the original followers of Yeshua and the secret teachings that he laid down for his disciples to follow. Yes, I said secret teachings. (laughs) They had those among them, and we find many of those in that Nag Hammadi Library that I spoke of earlier. The Gnostics represented the first effort within the Christian tradition towards transformation instead of belief and following commandments. Uh, Stephen Holler, I believe is his name, wrote in his book called Gnosticism, and I want to quote from him. He began by saying, quote, As, I, as beauty is in the eye of the beholder, so true esoteric belief is in the understanding of the knower. Techniques of ecstasy are studied with small profit. Only their practice reveals the transforming power. End of quote. So even from the very beginning, from those who first started following Yeshua, the challenge was always there to go beyond the external world, to go beyond religion, to go beyond what you see with your eyes and to focus on what is within. It's interesting to me, I've I've wrestled with this for many years until I finally saw that the church left Yeshua in the dust of history. The church formed itself for its own benefit and religion always replaces truth. Religion always replaces what is real. And in their fabrications, they pushed Jesus aside and left him in the dust of history and with, with that, his teachings and all that he shared. But now we have that, now we know, and we're learning more and more about what he really said. So, what are we here for? What are we doing? We're here to understand truth. In fact, what Yeshua said when he stood before Pontius Pilate was, I have come to bear witness to the truth. He didn't say, I've come here to die on a cross to save people from some imaginary sin. He never said that. That is church dogma. I know that sounds radical, but I tell you I can back it all up. I can prove it, and I do it every day in my studies and in my work. I know what Yeshua said. I'm learning more about it every day in the study of the Aramaic language and the application of it because I have to apply it if I'm going to walk my talk. So, externals and internals. We'll be talking much more about that in the last segment of the show. So right now, it's time for the break. I'll see you on the other side of three minutes.
0: The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network.
1: Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. Jim Stacey's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the Church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus was not a Christian. Available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice
0: America Seventh Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness.
1: listening To Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com. Again, that's The Divine is Within Us at Gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Here again is Jim Stacy. And thank you again for being with me today. Sometimes I find that there's just so much to share, I get my tongue tangled up a bit and my thoughts tangled, but there is a huge amount to be understood and to know about internals and externals. But for the last part of the show today, I wanna focus a bit on some of the externals just briefly and some of the internals, and we'll conclude with the thoughts about our attachments and and the addictions that we will uh, take up next week. The external focus. What are the things that we hold on to in this world where we're so busy trying to get things done. Work, job, career, so many times, is necessary? Absolutely. But it can become that which we are totally focused on at the expense of our spiritual life, to the expense of spiritual practices. And yes, we need to go to work, because unfortunately, or otherwise, we live in the system called capitalism, where money is required. Some days I wish so badly that we didn't have to deal with money and buying and selling. But I know it's the reality for now. It hasn't always been and it won't always be. But today we have to go to work. We have to pay the bills. Social connections with friends, very important. A very important external issue and a very important reality for us all. We need friends, we need the social connection. And yet sometimes It's so much easier to just focus on having a good time than it is to say, wait a minute, I need to look inside. I need to take some time today to focus on what is within me. Then there's the pleasures of the world, all the things we can see, and all my myriads and myriads of wonderful things to see and to feel and to enjoy. You know, a day at the lake, uh, rafting down the river, hang gliding, up in a hot air balloon, whatever. There's so many things that are absolutely beautiful. Visiting places of historical importance. And yes, those are important. We enjoy them, and it's good. But again, to remember right in the midst of all those pleasures that there is something else that is deeply more satisfying than anything we can see with our eyes. Oh, then there's the idea of sports, uh, the addiction of not just men, but mostly I think, but the addiction to competition, the addiction to winning, or is it the addiction to not losing? Playing or watching, sports can become what takes up so much time and so much emphasis, and you can enjoy that, good. But when your team wins, okay, celebrate it. When your team loses, Celebrate that, too, and take some time to go deep within to what's much more important than just seeing your team win. Well, then, as I said, in this capitalist society, money, money, money. Yes, we need those pieces of paper with president's pictures on them and coins and et cetera, et cetera. We need to have those pieces of paper in order to exchange them for something we need to eat or gas for the car or whatever it might be. Yes, money is needed in this three-dimensional world of capitalism. So, just remember, use the money, use it wisely, don't let it own you, and know that there's something more, much more important than just having a lot more money. If anything proves that today, it's these crazy billionaires that sit on their immensely huge piles of piles of money, and they can't be satisfied, they're never satisfied. To get a billion or two means, oh my goodness, I could get another one, or three or four more. And the billionaires are, in some cases, the most greedy people on the planet. Sure, there are people that are greedy that have very little, but it's the ones that have so much, and they need more and more and more, and they seek to take away money and not give people (laughs) legitimate minimum wages, and all those kinds of issues we see today, they want it for themselves. When money controls us, we become absolute fools. Absolute fools. But we can go inside, we can use money, and we can know that deep inside there's something more important. Well, then we have the family. External, yes, kids, grandkids, relatives. Very important. I love my grandkids, and my kids, my goodness. I you know, you know, cannot explain sometimes how beautiful it is to have grandkids come running and, Grandpa, I love you, and spend time playing games with them and, or talking to my kids on the phone and sharing with them on their life's adventures. It's beautiful, it's important. And yet, even family cannot become the greatest focus in our life. In the midst of enjoying all the family connections and Shall I say sometimes there are family feuds? Yes, that's true. Sadly so. But in the midst of it all, we can know that deep inside of us is something much more real, much more satisfying. Then, of course, there are the physical things in this world that we can see and touch. You know, the car that we drive or the house we live in or the clothes that we wear or whatever else we look at as physical attachments, physical possessions, so many things. The iPhone, the this and the that. The pile of things is huge. The list is very, very long. But I would ask you this question. Is there any one thing in your pile of possessions that can bring you everlasting, eternal pleasure, satisfaction? No, not one thing. Another external is what we think that other people think about us. So we fix our hair and our makeup or this or that and dress in a certain way because sometimes we're attached to how other people see us. We want people to see us in a very beautiful way. So what group do you choose to fit into? What do you see in the mirror? Love from others, very important. But are we attached to it in the sense that we have to have it? Or are we choosing to become loving so that we can, in being loving, find love coming back to us? There are so many things. There are so many external things in this world that keep us from the focus of internal realities. The internal realities, beyond the painful circumstances and the forgotten dreams and the lack of love, we'll talk about those next week. But there's a life purpose. What are you here for? Are you focusing on that? That is something deep inside. What choices have you laid aside that you need to reconnect with? Who are you in your essence? What does it mean to be you? Who is that person that you see when you look in the mirror? When you think of yourself, are you critical or accepting? What about the creativity deep inside you that you've not yet let come forth? Oh, we all have that. Our creativity is one of the most beautiful expressions of the divine ever, because that's exactly what it is, my friends. When you choose to be creative, you are letting the divine beauty come forth. We'll talk about more uh, next week about that as well. What needs deep inside you are not being met? How do you find those needs? And how do you get them met? We'll talk about that too next week. Love for self. What's the first thought you have or the first feeling you have when you see your face in the mirror? We're gonna talk about how we can love ourselves, because self-love is a beautiful thing and it's an internal thing. It isn't just external at all. I can never substitute somebody else's love for loving myself. The journey from my head to my heart is the longest journey I will ever take. The journey from the mind and thinking to deep inside where we know the reality of who we are. Deep inside is where we must go, where we will find the essence of the divine within. So what's really inside of us? What's really outside of us? And how can we know? Again, remember what Yeshua said, know yourself, know yourself. Bring forth what is within you and your life will become far more beautiful than ever before. As we awaken to consciousness, as we awaken to making choices, as we become aware that there is far more to life than just the things we see or hear or touch. My friends, we are on a grand adventure. And we will take up much more of that grand adventure next week. I'll see you then.
1: Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you you're bound to experience a new life.